Welcome, friend. Hey, I got an episode for you that sparks interest for me on a personal and universal level as a student of literature and seeker of the truth. Also, on a note of particular concern for me, Brother Bob contracted the COVID and can't therefore be with us today. Uh, I am fortunate enough, however, to have Sister Beverly with me for the show here that must go on. Welcome, Sister, and thank you for hanging out here with me today. Thanks, PK. It's good being here. So we got a short one today, huh? Yep, not even five minutes long. How about that? By the way, I called Bob just before leaving to come here tonight, and he sends his greetings to you and our listeners out there. Wow, thanks, Brother Bob. Bet you he'll be listening at home. Do you know how he's feeling, did he say? Yes, he says that he feels only a little under the weather presently. Thinks it will go away pretty quickly, so... He's not doing too badly right now, and that's a good thing. Okay. That's good to hear, actually. Thanks, sister. So, tonight's episode features, once again, a guest writer. Yep, and a former contributor, Terry from the Maine Coast. Oh, yes, the noted Maine artist. And a psychotherapist? That's the one. You got it. I'm so grateful for Terry's contribution to this episode, which is much shorter in length than the previous submission. What I find so interesting are the parables that Jesus employed in his teaching of new ideas. As a professional educator, I find that very interesting. As a student of literary arts, I find interesting, uh, I find interest in the parable as a literary device. And Terry explores the reason why it is such an effective teaching tool. She breaks it down for us in a way that makes good sense. Well, PK, what do you say? We go have a listen. Okay, let's go. Can you announce the title for me tonight, Sister Beverly? Well, that's Brother Bob's job, but I'll gladly give it a whirl. (laughs) Okay, here goes, Sister. Just give me a moment to step up to the lectern out there. Will do. (laughs) Parable of the Seed. Ears to hear and eyes to see. Have you ever been so preoccupied with intrusive thoughts that when a teacher was speaking you realized you didn't hear a word of her lesson? Have you ever been so obsessed with being right about a thing that you did not want to even consider another point of view? How about being on automatic in your mind and literally failing to see the exit you drove past five miles behind you. Well, we all have done these things. How unfortunate it would be as these dissociations happen if we then failed to see 
and hear holy things which are essential to our soul and well-being. Sometimes a psychologist chooses to use metaphors instead of direct language to encourage new behavior. It has been demonstrated that when we are told things directly, we often raise stubborn defenses against listening. A metaphor gives a bit of psychological distance and allows us to listen to a parable as a universal story that is less personal so that it is easier to take in. This gives a chance for the person to hear the true nuances of an important idea in its whole and full context, and it avoids cutting short or oversimplifying to the point of meaninglessness. Thus, when Jesus was sharing with the crowds meanings and characteristics of the kingdom of heaven, he often spoke metaphorically. This might have allowed skeptics and naysayers an opportunity to have ears to hear and eyes to see. The parable of the sower was explained by Jesus only after he finished telling the metaphor in its total. In summary, Christ indicated that the Word of God is like a seed that once planted begins to grow. However, Seeds sown in shallow rocky soil would sprout quickly but dry up in the sun. Seeds sown in among thorns or weeds would be choked out, but seeds sown in good soil would thrive. In Luke chapter 8 verses 13 to 15, Jesus then explained this parable, hoping it would help clarify the complete idea he was expressing. The seeds that fell on rocky ground stand for those who hear the message and receive it gladly. But it does not sink deeply into them. They believe only for a while, but when the time of testing comes, they fall away. The seeds that fell among thorn bushes stand for those who hear. But the worries and riches and pleasures of this life crowd in and choke them and their fruit never ripens. The seeds that fell in good soil stand for those who hear the message and retain it in a good and obedient heart, and they persist until they bear fruit. Therefore, should we not all strive to listen to or read the Word of God already primed to take it in? Jesus shares with us the behaviors needed to maximize our readiness. Repentance of sins, humbly cleansed hearts, avoidance of the world's cares, and quieting destructive thoughts, all of which otherwise would choke out the seed of God's words. We will all have better ears to hear and eyes to see the meaning of the words of God when we protect our mind, heart, and soul in the ways Jesus instructed, repentance, humility, avoidance, and the quieting of destructive thoughts. Hence, the good seed invested in fertile, 
carefully amended soil will take hold and thrive. Why should one not prepare their heart and mind to receive such a gift as the Holy Word to effect positive change and spur the growth of their spiritual nature? Let us then keep our eyes and ears open to receive the truth that awaits us. Well, my, my, yes, yes, PK. She sure knows how to break things down for you in a way that makes good sense to me. <laughs> Short and very sweet, I must say. Yeah, I like the way she explained the mechanics of how a parable works as a rhetorical tool. I mean, I've understood what a parable is and does, but never stopped to think about, well, break it down like Terry did. Think about it clearly enough to write it down. Well, thank you, Terry, for that explanation. The concept of personal distancing interests me. Yeah, you know, I found myself cringing at the use of the word repentance in that list of things one does to prepare the soil, so to speak. I don't have a problem with humbling one's heart, avoiding obsession with worldly cares, quieting the onset of destructive thoughts, but I flinch when I hear the word repent. Why is that? <laughs> I don't know. I bet you our guest contributor could best answer that, PK. <laughs> Maybe you need to find a parable to help you understand. I don't know. Maybe when somebody says repent, it carries a connotation of something negative in your mind. Well, could very well be. I mean, I understand the dictionary definition of repentance. I'm thinking as I go here, Sister Beverly. But instead, I think I have early memories from my childhood. It was the first and most difficult step to take if one wanted to be saved from the jaws of hell. It was like saying, you're sorry to God for what you've done that's bad. Like admitting to God that you are basically a shit person when I honestly didn't feel like I was trying to be a shit person. Who was a lot local evangelical preacher's kid. Listen, PK. It's obvious that the concept of repentance you speak of evoked feelings of guilt and shame, punishable by death. <laughs> now, look. The word repent means something like turning around. You repent when your focus on life changes. You realize that you want to shift away from obsession with earthly material delights in order to pursue God. You realize that things in this life that obscure your vision of God are detrimental to any degree of spiritual well-being. You 
experience more joy in the spiritual living of your life. Therefore, why should the word repentance signify all this negative emotions? Yeah, okay, I see what you're saying, Sister Beverly. I like it. It's a new thought for me. Repentance is basically a change in direction. Like, say, I've already repented. Changing my focus from things earthly to things spiritual. Exactly. Right? There, that's not so painful, is it? <laughs> you just changed direction. Direction of your thoughts, which in turn changed the way you interact with life. The way you participate well, in it. Well, kind of like redefining planet. what one calls life with a capital yeah. L. Kind of like that. Well, I'm still learning and want to learn more about this thing called life on Earth. Pretty amazing when I get to thinking about it. <laughs> Redefining. <laughs> I like the sound of that, PK. Hey, hey, I want to again thank Terry for her contribution to today's presentation on the parable of the seed. Yes, Terry. Very insightful. I learned something. <laughs> Please send us another one if you can. Yes. Great. Bingo. Bonus. Well, Sister Beverly, I again want to express my gratitude for your presence here with me now for this episode. I really appreciate that. Folks, just wanted to remind you that the door's open for guest essays, homilies, uh, sermons uh, on what you think would be applicable to this show. The I presently I uh, have good reason to expect we'll be hearing from two more of our listeners who have uh, will make guest appearances of their thought and writing on this show, and uh, I really look forward to that, uh, and I think uh, you'll enjoy it. Um, more about these contributors in the next episode. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. Meanwhile, let's call it a session for tonight. Enough said for now. It's been a good one for me anyways, as always. And as always, music. May, May we all find our way. Shalom.